0: Our scripture today comes from First Timothy 4:12. <clears throat> "Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith and in purity.
1: Well, good morning, church. And welcome to those online, hello to you as well. Well, today, I'm not preaching. Oh, I thought I was going to be like a standing ovation. There you go. But it is my birthday, so Keith was kind enough to say yes when I invited him to come and preach today. Not because it's my birthday, but today is actually Youth Sunday. And as you know, we have a youth program that's rebuilding. we got a lot of younger youth, but we have a number of years to have them share. And so I thought it would be a really great thing to do this year is to invite Keith to speak and share a little bit about uh, the ministry experience that he's had and leading youth and uh, different things like that, That you could hear his heart. Of course, one of the things we did when we hired uh, Keith as our student ministries director is, of course, interview him, and he shared with us not only just uh, his lesson plans, but what I was so moved and one of the reasons why I said let's have Keith come on board was because of his heart. And as you see today, uh, he is a very, and I mean this in all the best ways, a very gentle man, uh, and he loves like Jesus. And I thought that was perfect for our youth and especially where we're at So Keith Thurston, I'm going to ask you to come on up, and I'm going to pray for you if you would come. (laughs) And let's pray for Keith. Lord, as we're here today, may the words of Keith's mouth, the meditation of all of our hearts, be pleasing in your sight. May you anoint him with your spirit, But Lord, in sharing his stories and sharing your scripture, we may all be edified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks.
0: Thank you all so very much for coming today, this is a very special day. Um, Congratulations to all those who have graduated and ready to take their next step. Okay. Um, I think it's safe to say for the church, from the church, that we're all very happy for all of you that's graduating or going on, and um, we're very happy for you. And it's um, really. Amazing how fast time goes. Um, It's hard to believe at times how fast it goes. I can think back to when I was this age. And it was a long time ago, I admit that. But times have changed greatly since then. And what we have now is our youth is really under attack. Um, There's so many various drugs, copious amounts of various drugs that are available easily. They have to worry about gang-related shootings in areas that you wouldn't think. There's drive-by shootings they have to worry about. There's just um, even things off the internet where they do the various different viral challenges that can have adverse effects on their health. So there's a whole lot to deal with. Um, social media, can be all, it can be fun and it can have a lot of interesting things on it, but it also has people that are lurking seeking to prey on our youth, and cyberbullying can lead them to do things they wouldn't normally do. So it's very important that in this time of their life that the church act as a refuge, a sanctuary for the youth, a place where they can come in they can feel safe, and they can feel loved. As, I, um, as a youth, I went to church just about every service, um, from the age I was two, probably. And um, my grandfather was a pastor and evangelist for 40 years, so that meant that anytime he had heard anything about it, a revival that was doing really well, a revival that was going really well, we would end up going a lot of times. So I saw all that to say this. Anytime you go into a church that's not an incredibly young church, you hear some things. Um, One of the things that you hear is um, without the youth, the church will die. And I completely agree with that because, you know, you have to have an infusion of youth. But there's something else that you also hear, something else that often accompanies this. And too often we hear, the youth is the future of our church. Now this statement, I understand the meaning of, and I understand the thought behind it. But I feel like it misses the mark because you might, you might be like, well, why do you feel it misses the mark? It misses the mark because they are the here and the now. They are an active participant of the church, and it's to me, we have to encourage that, and we have to make sure that they continue to be an active part of the church. We uh, have to prepare them to be leaders. We have to prepare them to take bigger roles. And we have to help them along the way. Um, Life is funny because each day we get another day older. And I can think back when I was young, and I have a feeling that a lot of people were the same way. When I was young, I can remember thinking, oh, I wish I was older. I wish I was a little bit older so I could do this or this. Hmm. A little bit funny because now that I am a little bit older... I think, and I'm like, oh, I wish I was a little bit younger so I could do this or this. It's funny how that works, isn't it? Um, As a young person, it's a time in our life where we make decisions. And these decisions can stay with us lifetime, most good and bad decisions, they can stay with us. Each day is precious, and we need to realize this. Um, It matters not whether you're 10 years old or whether you're 60 years old. God wants the best for us, and we need to want to serve him and give God our absolute best. We're never too young to be used by God and to learn lifelong lessons. Now, one of the first things that I ever did as far as any type of uh, leadership type role was I started teaching Sunday school uh, to some kids, probably ages, three to seven. And I myself was fairly young at this point. And um, I can remember we had um, six or seven kids. And the one child, Derek, was a very intelligent, inquisitive kid. And Derek came with his father Um, every Sunday and he was always so excited to tell his dad about the lesson and to tell his dad what he had learned and show his dad the craft we had worked on and a lot of times we had I would give for them you know some little tiny craft for them to do that would be some quick little thing And I'd always have a coloring sheet for them that was applicable to the lesson. Well, this particular day, I'm doing a lesson on Doubting Thomas. And immediately, Derek gets to where he does not like Doubting Thomas. He's just adamant. I mean, he was always a really good kid that always listened I was very respectful and wouldn't interrupt, but I mean, he was just adamant that he did not like Thomas and he did not like the Dow, and he was just, and it was really cute and funny how he was reacting to this. So when the lesson's over, I had noticed that Derek had kind of colored his coloring sheet, which was the first time he had ever done this. And I said to him, I was like, Derek. Don't you want to get a coloring sheet and color it? No, I don't like Thomas. I was like, okay. So we went on, and we were cleaning up. We got finished. Time to go. Derek leaves Thomas on the table, which he always was taking stuff to show his dad. It's like, Derek, don't you want to take? Your coloring sheets of that and you can color it later? No, I don't like Thomas. So, I, you know, well, a few years later, I'm teaching the youth. And Derek is, uh, he comes into the youth class, and it was one of the first times he had been into the youth. And, uh, he told me, he's like, you know, and of course, this is only a handful of years later. But still, he came in, he's like, you know, I still haven't forgot old commas, and I still like it. <laughs> but I just thought, you know, something that we teach at an age, you know, where a child's four or five, it can stick with them for their life. And that means, that's something that's extremely important. Um, It's just one of those things where definite life lesson that is um, something that we need to make sure that we are there for the youth to do these type of things for them. We are often called, we are called to not only hear the word of God, but also to actively apply and implement it into our daily actions. As James 1.22 instructs us, our youth is a very important time because it's a time that so many decisions are made. Every life has a uniqueness to it the stumbling blocks that one person has, another person might not have, but that person might also have a lot of stumbling blocks. So we need to be mindful of that. We need to rely on Jesus to be our shepherd. Your life will make an impact on the world. The big question is will that impact be for the glory of God or will it be a stumbling block? to people. When you're not paying attention, being loud, and just carrying on, you know, fun's good, but sometimes there might be somebody that's really struggling with something that they need to hear, so we have to be careful not to be a stumbling block. Um, One of the big questions when we are young is also, do I want to be a gatherer for God's kingdom? Or will I be a person that ends up scattering people away from God's kingdom? There are several instances and examples in the Bible of how God used young people. There's Timothy, Joseph, David, Josiah. He was only eight years old when he became king. Let's not forget Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were just children when they were taken away from their parents. We need to encourage our youth to serve God. We need to put in time to help the youth. We never know how much they may be paying attention simply to our willingness to help them out or our willingness to help our neighbor out. Um, There's another story I have. Um, This is about George. So George was a teenager, and he came to our church. I had never seen him before. Didn't know him, didn't know his parents, knew nothing at all about him. And um, at the time, I was working probably an hour away, and I would often have to work past quitting time. I mean, it was one of those things where if a client came in or whatever, you'd have to stay until they were. So a lot of times on Wednesday nights when we had youth, I would be working till 6 o'clock, which meant I would be getting in, to the church just as it was time for the church to start and youth to start. So I hadn't really got, the chan- got a chance to talk or get to know George other than just, you know, through the interaction in youth group. One day, it's absolutely pouring the rain, and it's storming. And I come in, and... Again, I was rushing in to get started. And George is sitting in there and he's completely drenched. I mean, just completely drenched. And we had a bus that went around, picked kids up. And um, I was like, George, did you miss the bus? And he's like, I've not been taking the bus. And I was like, oh, who do you have that's been bringing you? I haven't. He's like, I've been walking. And it ends up breaking my heart because when I get to talking to him, George lived probably a 10 minute car ride away. So he was walking quite a distance. And I don't know how the bus—I don't know how—I guess they just didn't know, didn't see, didn't—I don't know, but they were missing him. And he told me that—he's like, yeah, I've walked every time I've come here. And I was like, well, you know, I get to talking to him, like, what church did you go to before you started coming here? And he had not went to, that was was his first interaction at all with church. And I was just, you know, kind of floored that this kid that had never went to church found his way to our church and was willing to walk every time, that far of a distance, in the pouring rain and in a storm. So I, you know, of course made a point to be like, "Uh, there is a bus and we can pick you up. And it's, you know, because, and that was one of those things where George really touched my heart because here's a kid that had a really bad home life, and he was searching and seeking and wanting to grab hold of something. And I was very glad that God put us in his path to be able to embrace him and help him on that journey. Um, And it still touches my heart that... That was the case. Um, Again, I'm going to read the verse again. Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Now, Paul is speaking to Timothy at this point. And he is giving him instructions on being a pastor at the church. Timothy was considered young. And Paul is saying to Timothy, Don't let someone use your age against you. Let Let no man tell you you're too young. Paul says, Don't argue with them as many your age might be inclined to do. But instead, be an example before them. Silence your critics by your conduct. By following Paul's six steps, you'll be able to silence those who look at young people as not capable of now. Now if Timothy is to be an example to his congregation, who will be an example to Timothy? Paul? No, Paul's considering an old man at this point. So he might not be able to be the example that Timothy needs. So who then? Who will be Timothy's example? The answer is... The same for each and every one of us that's here today, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. This brings me to a part of the Bible that I really enjoy. It's from the book of Luke, Luke two, forty one through fifty. And it details Jesus at the age of twelve. It tells of how Jesus and his family they've gone to Jerusalem. They've gone there for the festival festival of the Passover. Now once the festival is over, they leave. Jesus stayed behind, unbeknownst to them. They left Jesus at the temple. They left Jesus. Now, I've known parents that got really busy and maybe sometimes forget things, but they love Jesus. Now, sometimes I'm not talking about this church in particular. I'm talking about churches all over the country, all over the world. Sometimes on Sunday mornings, we Jesus at the church because we might start grumbling and complaining before we even finish our lunch. Just think about that for a second. You, maybe you go to work on Monday and things really go awry We don't even have Jesus in our back pocket. We've just completely left him at church. Eventually, Joseph and Mary realize Jesus is no longer with the group. Where's Jesus, they say? Well, Jesus is back at the temple, astonishing the scholars and the learned men that are there. They're amazed at his questions and his grasp and understanding of things. He was humbly listening and asking questions. Three days later, three days, Joseph and Mary find him. and they, you know, paraphrasing, they're like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, I'm about my father's business. And without a doubt, he is talking about his heavenly father. You know, God didn't call us to do battle with Goliath every single day, but he did call us to follow him every day. When we follow him every day, he will take care of the rest. He can't show off his power. Unless we surrender and follow Him, if you're not already following Him, I hope you will. I, I hope you will. Um, will you make the decision to be about your Father's business? At this point, I'll turn it back over to Pastor Jonathan.
1: Before we, let's all stand.